didn't kill my wife. I don't care. 30 years ago, Richard Kimball didn't kill his wife, but that didn't stop him from becoming the fugitive. And now, today, the fugitive is 30 years greater. That's right, it's 30 years greater here on Post Show Recaps and RHAP as every week we are looking back at a movie that released 30 years ago and talking about it here on the podcast. I'm your host, Josh Wiggler, alongside the one-armed podcaster himself, Rob Sesternino. <laughs> Rob, here we are. We told you last <laughs> week we were going to do this. And you all were like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. We weren't joking. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I do think like there were probably a few people who listened to our historic episode of the Gremlins podcast on post show recaps on the Rob and Josh show that as they listened to those first 15 minutes and as a star of an idea yeah. was born, they were in the sewers, Rob, raising their hands with a gun trained on them. Mm -hmm. And they said, I don't care. And then yep. we marched off to create a podcast, and then they stood up and pursued us with a secret gun uh, in mm -hmm. their vest pouch. Yes. Well, this is real. It's happening. It's okay? Happening. It's the it's dawn happening. of a new era. It's the dawn, dawn of a new era. <laughs> Look, that Josh and I are going to start bringing you a podcast where we talk about whatever movie came out that week 30 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Because take take a look at what we Josh and I do, okay? Yeah. The evolution of strategy, perhaps our best known collaboration. Our shiny what is it? Yeah. Going back and watching old stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is what we do. Attached to the number 30, I might add. Yes, around 30 we do have a, of Survivor. We do kind of have like a historic bit of going back, watching old stuff attached to the number 30 old stuff old yeah. stuff uh so here we are once again watching old stuff attached to the number 30 rob yeah and why why 30 josh and i were talking about this last week uh the 90s were maybe the greatest era for movies yes yeah I think just like looking through the films of 1993 was probably the thing that sold me on this would be a fun project for Rob and myself. And then the thing that really took it over the line was peeking ahead at 1994. Yeah. Uh, looking ahead at 1994 was a pretty exciting prospect. So, Rob, the basic idea, right, as I understand it, is we will talk about a different movie from 30 years ago each mm -hmm. and every week, which means for the duration of this year, we are talking about movies from the year 1993. Mm -hmm. uh, that's going to be our star map as we go yep. forward, and we will watch a movie every week. We'll tell you what we're watching next week. You'll get the chance to go and watch that movie, or you could just hang out with Rob, and I will tell you what happened in that movie, and we will go through it. Uh, beat by beat, or at least we'll synopsize it. We'll talk yeah. about the ridiculous things that happen in it. 
Uh, Maybe more you know, vibes than beat by beat. It could be more vibes than beat by beat. Uh, but I think we're going to have a really fun time talking about these movies. Uh, yeah. I was saying to you, Rob, before the podcast started that like the fugitive is almost an anomaly. Uh, the fugitive is like uh, this is like a, a real like an Oscar contender, an Oscar winning movie for one Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, and yet it came out in August. Uh, and August is sort of traditionally a dump month for the studios. It's when the studios take their dumps. Uh, mm-hmm. And they just like drop movies in August. And January is another dump month uh, where it's just like, okay, there's not really like the best of the best come out in August. So, uh, you know, if we had like done this in like Oscar season, maybe we would have had like some really heartier fare to kick this thing off. But we've chosen August uh dump month to dump a new podcast into people's feeds mm-hmm. yeah okay well look i think that this is my my pitch to you yeah. of in terms of how this is going to work okay ideally we talk about a movie that was released 30 years ago this week yeah however yeah sometimes two movies come out in the same week yes i think that we should give ourselves some liberty okay and uh especially here is we are going through 1993 to go 30 days uh into the past or future back wow so i think that as of right now for next week i think anything from july 20 uh july 1993 is on the table okay all right i like this i like this The fugitive original release date was August 6th, 1993. Okay, August 6th, 1993. So the entirety of July going back to, does that mean going back to July 6th, 1993 is fair game? So uh, that is bad news for the firm, which came out Mm -hmm. July 2nd, 1993, is not going to be eligible. Um, It's really actually devastating news for me uh, that we would not be able to talk about Pauly Shore's son-in-law, uh, yes. which also came out July 2nd, 1993. It's got to be within the August 6th, 1993. Right. That would uh, be 30, very fun to talk time about Pauly Shore's son-in-law, but unfortunately, uh, the, no no dice. Uh, no but dice. that does open up the door potentially for uh, Weekend at Bernie's 2. Weekend at Bernie's 2 is on the docket. Rookie of the Year is yes. an eligible contender as, as is well. uh, Coneheads, Another Stakeout, Robin Hood Men in Tights, and So I Married an Axe Murderer. I mean, a lot of really great, uh, really great candidates. Uh, for... Any of those would be great podcasts next week. Did I mention Hocus Pocus and Free Willy? Hocus Pocus and Free Willy, Rookie of the Year. In the Line of Fire is uh, an underrated 90s action thriller, I have to say. If you haven't seen In the Line of Fire before, I would be a pretty strong advocate for In the Line of Fire, but it is hard to put up In the Line of Fire when we can advise Bernie's staring us right in the face. Yeah. Uh, would we have to go back and watch Weekend at Bernie's one in order to I think uh, you get it? I mean, yeah. I think that the backstory is that Bernie is dead, still yeah. dead. He died. He died, dude, <laughs> and he's still he's still around. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever done Weekend at Bernie's? No, I don't I think, think so. I have either. Actually, yeah. Uh, yeah. Are we watching Weekend at Bernie's two next week? Let's see. Let's see how this goes okay. and see uh, what we want to uh, talk about, because, you know, it's like they, we, I think that we have to do a little bit of like planning in terms of like what are like we should like uh, have like a calendar of what we, we think we're going to do. And then 
and then plan it out a little bit. But I like the idea that, you know, we have a little bit of leeway where actually that movie came out like uh, like 30 years ago in four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I like the yeah. 30 years back, the 30 years yes. forward or 30 days forward, 30 days back. Uh, I think that that's very, very helpful. Uh, if we're forecasting 30 days beyond August 6th, 1993, mm-hmm. we could uh, we could talk calendar girl uh, is, uh, is is Jason Priestley. Yeah, uh, we could talk calendar girl. Uh, California with a K with Brad Pitt, Juliet Lewis, mm-hmm. David Duchovny and Michelle Forbes. Uh, yeah, lots of different. So, I think we probably aren't looking too far into the future, person. Right. So I feel like that we we should probably like have like a little bit of like a plan. And I know this is your wheelhouse more than mine. Uh, Love like plan. figuring out like Big what guy. we're gonna talk Loves about which week, and then yes. okay, this is the hall. So this is where we're gonna go back to where okay, this week there's two things that came out, so we're not gonna be able to cover both. Sure. Yeah. Well, let's open it up to pitches. Of course, you can always send in your feedback, your thoughts on what you would like to hear from the 30 years greater project here on Mm -hmm. Potion Recaps and RHAP through your respective ways of contacting us. You can try and X at us. 30 Mm -hmm. 30 days ago, it was still Twitter. Uh, 30 days from now, (laughs) is it X or Twitter? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Um, Josh, are we open to like an iconic TV episode that happened 30 years ago? Yeah, I think so. I think that that would work. I think if there's an iconic TV episode from 1993, I would love yeah. to know what it is. It's probably like The Simpsons would be my guess. Uh, you know, is Seinfeld happening in 93? Yes, yes okay. it is. Um, like, for instance, hypothetically, if we were doing this back in the spring and uh, it was uh, the, the you know, third week in May, People could say, well, you should watch the Cheers finale. Ooh, that'd be awkward for me. May twentieth, nineteen ninety-three. Could you jump in? Maybe would you it get would, it. It would be it would be fun because I've only done the Cheers premiere. Uh so I could do the Cheers premiere and the Cheers finale. See how um, it ends. Yeah, book ends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think if it if uh, if a TV episode is a stronger entry uh than any of the movies that are on display, I think that yeah. that's that's a good But call. just just to let whet your appetite a little bit here, uh going into uh September of nineteen ninety-three. Yeah. We've got dazed and confused mm. we've got true romance we've got a bronx tale <laughs> we've, got, <laughs> we've got uh into october demolition man we've oh yeah got the nightmare before christmas no it gets good you even you cool even uh, runnings you breezed past the good son uh the good which son. Is, is begging to be lifted off over the cliff yeah mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The 90s was an iconic time. Uh, the 90s was an iconic time. Uh, 1993, I'm, gosh, I am like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm an eight-year-old, I think, in 1993. Some stuff has already happened in 1993 by the time we have reached August 93. That's absolutely, utterly iconic for your boy. Uh, Jurassic Park, uh, of course, is a June 1993 movie, so... Once again, we are uh, just shirking our responsibility of doing a Jurassic Park podcast as it is not Mm -hmm. in the 30-day window. Last Action Hero was a 1993 movie, and I was a humongous Schwarzenegger guy 
back in the day. It's a big Stallone mm-hmm. year. You mentioned Demolition Man, but Cliffhanger yeah. had come out in May. Wow. Uh, speaking of hanging over the cliff, yeah. uh, good son style. And we already celebrated the 30-year anniversary of Groundhog Day earlier this year with Groundhog Week. That's right. And uh, you, myself, and the great Akiva Winokur already talked about the Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, and what's, from what's great about this project, Josh, is that what's old is new again. Yeah. So, most of the movies that we're going to talk about like will be movies again. Yes, I think that that's probably right. Is that a good idea to like uh will the like should we track every single time we talk is this going to be rebooted? Uh, mm-hmm. Will this be rebooted? Will we see it again? Yeah. I think would be fun. A fun uh, fun thing to track. The Fugitive uh is a, a special candidate for such a thing considering it is itself a reboot and then <laughs> the was fugitive rebooted. was a look into the future yeah of yeah. hollywood saying hey what's old let's make it again you know and- i i think it's really uh it's very spot on that we are beginning this project uh with the fugitive rob considering uh that we ourselves are kind of like running away from the people who are like the robin josh show you're supposed to talk about tv or whatever no we're running away with the podcast we're changing our hair we're shaving our face yeah uh we're blending in with the saint patrick's day parade and your job is to chase us down and see what we're doing is it worth explaining what the fugitive is because i feel like that i i I feel like that the audience of people that listen to this podcast we primarily people that have seen these movies yes but i think that there might also be i mean it's 30 years old we have a a lot of people that listen to the podcast that are younger than 30 years old and probably weren't shown the fugitive as a baby no uh, if you're in your early 30s (laughs) if you were Um, shown the fugitive as a baby (laughs) please write in uh josh at poshorecaps.com i'd love to hear from you get your stories here uh of Mm -hmm. course also poshorecaps.com slash ask is a feedback form if you've got any feedback for us i do want to just like make sure people are aware of the feedback channels here rob you can hit us up on all of our social media at rob sesternino at round howard Hit us up on the RHAP Facebook group, on the Post Show Recaps Patron Discord, all of the various ways to get in touch with us. We would love to hear from you from uh, for this podcast each and every week. Yeah. But yeah, we probably should so, talk about what the fugitive is for the people who were. Uh, if I may, I, because that you will like give like a, a very like thorough recap of the thing, and, and yeah. I'm looking forward to like jumping into everything. Let me do the like the the short version here and say that the fugitive is the story. Of a man, Dr. Richard Kimball, who uh, uh, this is very sad news uh, that his wife is murdered and he yeah. is wrongfully accused for her murder, convicted to death. Sentenced also. to death. <laughs> yeah. to death. Uh, but due to a freak accident uh, uh, transporting him to the jail, he's able to escape. And Tommy Lee Jones is coming in as a law enforcement official who is uh, tasked with tracking down this fugitive on the run who is out to prove to uh, his innocence that he did not kill his wife, but it was, in fact, a one-armed man who ended up being the person who killed his wife. Uh, And so that is the story of the fugitive. Probably very topical in 1993. So much OJ talk. 
a lot of OJ talk. I think a very topical film in indeed, despite the fact that The Fugitive, the film, uh, this 1993 released movie starring our friend, friend of the podcast, friend Harrison of the Ford, uh, friend of the pod, uh, Indy, uh, uh, as we like to call him, uh, named after the dog. Uh, that it's based on a TV series. Yeah, that, that at the time, Rob, <laughs> he didn't already know this: that the Fugitive, the 1993, the Fugitive, was 30 years greater than the Fugitive 1963 TV yes. series. And it was apparently it was a very big deal. Apparently, in 1963, it was like a huge um, moment where that Who Dr. Watched- Rich- the fugitive 1963 tv series as a baby we want to hear from you too <laughs> he's right yeah. in yeah okay uh yeah the fugitive is back and i guess maybe this was like the dawn of something here where that okay the fugitive is here we have in in uh later in the year adam's family values is this like <laughs> the beginning of like uh the hollywood like swallowing its own tail of Got like it. okay let's go back to the 60s and come up with i mean the first mission impossible is uh not too far away from this it's like what what's from the 60s that we can uh, put back as a movie yeah um maybe uh there could be there could be some some validity to that um i think that the uh the 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 key difference here is uh in the case of the 90s they like had like they were perfecting the art of the reboot yeah uh, like they were getting it right because adam's family values which i'm sure we will talk about at some point in i know time, it's one of your favorites is yes. one of my favorite movies yes. ever uh the fugitive is a stone cold classic there's a very strong argument to be made that this is the best harrison ford movie uh i think i think you could really with a very straight face say that um and i think like uh you know Maybe the issue actually is, you know, it's a celebrated TV series in 1963, The Fugitive. It's an iconic film in 1993, The Fugitive. They did try to make a Fugitive TV series very recently, Rob. On CBS? Um, It was a 2020 series. And so I feel like they were Mm -hmm. three years early. They should have waited for 2023 when it was 30 years greater than The Fugitive original film. It stars uh, Boyd Holbrook, who's currently the villain of uh, Justified City Primeval. He actually was the one of the main villains of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um, oh, it also starred uh, in the in the uh, Tommy Lee Jones role. My beloved Keeper Sutherland uh, was the was the really deputy, was the was the detective pursuing the yeah. erstwhile uh, the 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 fake Harrison Ford. The character names by the were way. Different. Josh, I know you're a Kiefer completionist. You mm-hmm. got to check out uh, They Clone Tyrone on Netflix. Is Kiefer in that? Yes. Wow. They clone Kiefer? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, he uh, seems pretty spry. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's Jack Bauer. Let's mm-hmm. not forget. Let's not forget. Um, not spry enough to catch the fugitive uh, by the end of, or maybe he did, I don't know, of the fugitive which uh uh three years ago was its first episode date just about august 3rd 2020 was when the fugitive tv reboot came out on quibi 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 (laughs) (laughs) i was quibi even still running at this point like the fugitive (laughs) quibi uh yeah 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 It, it uh it came out every day it was a daily release on quibi uh, that made it all the way uh, 14 episodes 
of the Quibi Mini Fugitive uh, series. 14 episodes yeah. uh, of the Quibi Fugitive. So Okay, yeah, uh, so the Quibi Fugitive was, uh, you know, f- four, 14 days, 7 to 10 minute episodes. Yeah, we're not going to do 14 days of the Fugitive here. We've got one mm. day of the Fugitive here as uh, a means of piloting out 30 years greater as a concept. So uh, I think we've introduced the concept by the end of the episode. Uh, we will talk more about what we'll do for next week. Uh, so stick yeah. around and find out what we'll do and we'll continue workshopping the format of the podcast. But I think it is time to talk in 30 years greater detail about The Fugitive. Let's do so after this quick commercial break. Stay tuned. All right, Rob, it is time to discuss 1993's yes. The Fugitive, uh, which, as you mentioned, centers on Harrison Ford as Dr. Richard Kimball, a very successful uh, Chicago surgeon, Rob, uh, Harrison Ford as Richard Kimball. Uh, yep. you see his apartment, his home, his, uh, his nice. loft. Nice setup. Very white. Uh, there's like lots of white. <laughs> Like a lot of things in this movie. Yeah, yeah. like a lot of this is a very white film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the tragic murder of his wife, Helen, played by Sayla Ward, yeah. uh, who is killed by a one-armed man. But no one believes Richard Kimball that this is the case. Uh, and so Richard Kimball is harshly sentenced to death uh, for the murder of his wife. Uh, who he didn't kill, and he insists multiple times, I didn't kill my wife. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, there is uh, an attempt of an, an, an escape attempt that leads to many deaths. Uh, the escape attempt is a very gnarly scene here in The Fugitive as a guy like fake barfs, he like fakes a seizure, and then he stabs a, or he like shoots a guy, and then he, get, he stabs a guy, he gets shot. I think it's really rough. This was a series of very fortunate events. There's yes. a lot of times that Dr. Richard Kimball is very unlucky, but also a lot of times where that he's very, very fortunate about Eyes the and lows. There's not a lot of middle ground out. for Dr. Richard Kimball. It's yeah. like you're you're up or you're down. Yes. He is able to end up getting very fortuitous that there is like a prison escape that just happens to be planned. On his bus. Yes. Uh, So uh, the prison escape is happening on his bus, which is going to kick us off into the rest of the film where uh, he narrowly avoids complete and utter annihilation uh, at the at the hands. Trains don't have hands Uh, at the at the maw, the hungry maw. He just, uh, you know, (laughs) he has hand. He has a hand. Yeah, his hand. Uh, a train is about to come and crash into this transport bus. And uh, not only does Richard Kimball manage to escape with his life intact, Rob, he manages to escape with um, a prison guard uh, intact as well. Richard Kimball is going to do Richard Kimball's a stand up guy. Richard, he is a hero. Richard Richard Kimball is a uh, lawful good uh, who is being forced to be chaotic good. This is not his natural state. He does not want to have to break the law, but you have for- you forced this man into a corner and he is now going to have to break the law. But his instincts are to do right by others. Do no harm, I believe, is the creed of the doctor. Uh, and when he sees someone in distress and he could do something about it, he's going to do something about it. So there is a man who has been like horribly injured over the course of this prison break attempt. And Richard Kimball, rather than let him just get annihilated in the in the in the bus, he takes him out he, in, in a really uh 
there's a couple of like iconic Richard Kimball jumps away from things uh, scenes in this movie. And I think that yeah. this is probably the lesser of the two really iconic ones. But he just like he like butt jumps out of the bus just in time for the train to collide with the bus to kick us into. The There's movie. a lot of action in this movie for the like you would think that, OK, it's just a guy on the run. But, yeah, we do get a lot of like indie-esque like set pieces that happen. So this is, I think, my favorite Harrison Ford era. Uh, so forget like the fact that like I think The Fugitive, you could argue, is the best Harrison Ford movie. This era of Harrison Ford as an early 50s action star, uh, a man in his early 50s. He's not he's not Han Solo anymore. He's not Indiana Jones anymore. He's not just like this incredible spry action hero. You got to watch like Harrison Ford's arms. They like flail around like Kermit the Frog when he's like running around and he's hitting people like he goes through revolving doors. He like just like hits a stranger with his flailing arms at one point. Uh, he's like, I'm not an action hero. His characters. He's just an everyman. He's just a normal guy. Yeah. Uh, this so is like, even in Air Force One, he's going to be like this in, in this Jack Ryan appearances. He's going to be like this. He's just a man, a normal yeah. man. He's just a normal man. He's just an innocent man. He's an uh, innocent and he's, man. He he's didn't being, kill his wife. He's being forced into extraordinary circumstances. Not a natural yeah. action hero. And I think this is a great speed for Harrison Ford. It is. I mean, the 90s is such an interesting time for him. You know, he doesn't end up doing like either of his two genre franchises in the decade has a lot. Of, you know, he is going to play Jack Ryan a couple of different times. Um, but then, you know, between the Jack Ryan stuff, we have uh, this obviously uh, Air Force One as well. Um, you know, it's uh, a, you know, interesting time for Harrison Ford. Yeah, the, the, the real like, I think, um, trilogy of great 90s action movies for Harrison Ford. Uh, I would say that we are uh, we are actually at the start of this trilogy, which is very exciting. I think we'll hit two of them. Uh, if mm -hmm. we're still podcasting for uh, 2027, that's exciting because then we'll get to Air Force One. Uh, but 1993 is The Fugitive. 1994 is my personal favorite Harrison Ford movie, Queer and Present Danger. Uh, but then he's like also trying to do some like romantic comedies or yeah. like even like dramatic work. Uh, Sabrina. Uh, is he the president in Sabrina? Is he the president of the United <laughs> I don't know. States? I didn't, I didn't see it. Um, so can I also then bring in the uh, co-lead bill in the film, Tommy Lee Jones? Yes. Who's great uh, here. He, what does he win? Best Supporting Actor? For yeah. This? Are you? He did. He did win Best Supporting yeah. Actor for this. Um, are you like literally bringing him to the podcast? Yes. Because if so, I'm very nervous. Rage. <laughs> I can't do it. Have, ever, uh, have I ever told you about the time I interviewed Tommy Lee No, Jones? tell me. I would love to hear uh, it. It was, it was on a, a historic evening for my career. This is back in the MTV News days. Men in Black 3 is coming out. Uh, I believe this is 2012. Uh, and uh, Tommy Lee Jones has a, has a diminished role in Men in Black 3 because he's Tommy Lee Jones and he doesn't want to fool around with the Men in Black franchise anymore. So the premise of Men in Black 3 is someone has traveled back in time and assassinated Tommy Lee Jones so he no longer exists in the present day. So Will Smith has to mm. go back in time and stop the assassination from happening, and he teams up with a younger version of Tommy Lee Jones who is played by Josh Brolin. And so one of my assignments on the red carpet premiere, the New York City red carpet premiere of Men in Black 3, 
was to interview all of the actors and come up with a, a couple of ridiculous video packages to string together. So I had two questions to ask everybody. And the relevant one here is which version of Agent K would win in a fight, Josh Brolin or Tommy Lee Jones? And I asked the entire cast as they were coming along the red carpet line this question. And to a person, including Josh Brolin, said it would handily be Tommy Lee Jones would destroy Josh Brolin. Uh, I expressed incredulity hearing this. I was very not I, I, I couldn't believe this. Josh Brolin is spry. He's Thanos. He's an action hero in his own right. Will Smith turns to me and says, have you met Tommy yet? And I said, no, he's a couple people down the line. I'm looking at Tommy Lee Jones. He's talking to some reporters. And Will Smith says, ask Tommy this question and see what you think. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones gets to the, the reporter right to the left of me, and I smell him before I hear him. Uh, what does he smell like? He smells like like deep, expensive whiskeys. Oh, God. Uh, he okay. Has, he has, yes. he has, he has prepped himself for this red carpet event that he clearly does not want to be on because now I can see he is really disinterested in any of the questions that he is being asked by the person next to me. He is speaking very softly. He is asking the reporter to repeat their questions over and over again. And so this is the tone that is established for me as Tommy Lee Jones steps up to me and I have to ask him the question of, okay, so in Men in Black 3, the premise is that you get assassinated in the past and Will Smith has to go back in time and team up with the younger version of you played by Josh Brolin. Which one would win in the fight, you or Josh Brolin? And Tommy Lee Jones looks at me and he goes, I don't know. I don't know how to answer a question like that. I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, and it was a lot of that. Yeah. And, he literally uh, gave you a... I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, and all I could do while he was saying this to me was just look at his arms that were the size of tree trunks. Uh, Tommy oh. Lee Jones, a rancher, IRL. Uh, and PLJ. Yeah, yeah definitively, uh, I think he would uh, he would wreck Josh Brolin, let alone uh, Dr. Wow. Richard Kimball as a U.S. Deputy Marshal what? Samuel Gerard. Rob. That was a great story. Yeah, uh, that was a great. lot of a lot of weird shit happened on that red carpet. That's just one of like yeah. Three, three Will memorable Smith stories. really threw you under the bus. Yeah, I, I love him for it. I love him <laughs> for it. Will Smith throwing punches long before he threw punches. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was you good. You and Chris Rock have something in common now. It was good. It was yeah. good. Yeah. But Tommy Lee Jones, I mean, few, I think, had a better 90s than Tommy Lee Jones. I mean, <laughs> just... Have you seen Batman Forever, Rob? Well, I mean, he's everywhere. <laughs> JFK, Under yeah. Siege, The Fugitive. Yeah. Um, uh, natural born is, killers is under siege is Batman underrated. forever volcano men in black U.S. Yeah. Marshals. Yeah. Uh, some of these are, are quite good. His 1994, uh, we have a, a lot of different shots at Tommy Lee Jones. If we want to go back to Tommy Lee Jones in, in 94. Uh, yeah, it's a, I think it's like a series of highs and lows for Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones collects his Oscar for the role of Samuel Gerard here in the fugitive. And I think, um, uh, falls deeply in love with the character, Rob, because The Fugitive, if you didn't know, does get sequelized. Uh, there is a sequel to The Fugitive, a feature film sequel to The Fugitive. Are you aware of this? No, I am not. Uh, 1998's U.S. Marshals is a sequel to oh. The Fugitive which stars Tommy I'm, Lee Jones. I'm forgetting U.S. Marshals. Yes, he's reprising. Not Sarah Marshals. He's reprising, forgetting U.S. Marshals. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones does not go full frontal uh, in this film. Uh, and he reprises his role 
as de- uh, as U.S. Deputy Marshal uh, uh, Samuel Gerard and several members of his uh, U.S. Marshal squad return with uh, Wesley um, Snipes, Robert Downey Jr. and Joey Pants is back. Joey Pants comes back. Uh, Daniel Roebuck, who is one of the U.S. Marshals uh, in uh, in this one. Bobby Biggs is his character. That's Dr. Arst from Lost. If you were uh, uh, trying to place this man, of course, L. Scott Caldwell, who plays Rose on Lost, is one of the Marshals as well. She does not come back for U.S. Marshals. She's like, I'm good. I'm fine. My life is fine. Uh, but yeah, Tommy Lee Jones really loved playing this character and so much that he reprised the role for the... uh like defined the, his career, I think. Like the very, very um, mediocre U.S. Marshals. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was the right choice uh, to come back for it, but I think he kind of like he wins the Oscar and he looks at the rest of his career, Rob. And I do think he says, I don't care. He'll just do he'll just do things that make him happy at that point. Mm -hmm. Like us. Yes. Sort of like us. I think that that's correct. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We won the podcast award uh, many years ago. Yeah, Uh, we've just been doing whatever we want. I just got nominated for another one. Yeah. You know, like uh, and if you win, huzzah. And if you don't, you know. You're still just going to keep going. Uh, What are you going to do? So, yeah, we get like all of these marshals and Tommy Lee Jones. I paid close. So I think in The Fugitive, uh, it's a hallmark from the TV series, as I am to understand it, that Richard Kimball is regularly changing up his look. Right. Like like new fits. Uh, He's got it. He's got new cuts uh, every other scene. Am I doing the looks? Yeah. New looks. Yeah. Uh, he has like, he'll die, he'll dye his hair. He'll shave off his beard and then like slick back his hair. And that's one look. Then he'll dye his hair black. That's another look. And then he'll just like re-dye his hair back to his natural hair color for the last act of the movie. And Master who knows, of disguise. Yeah. Who knows, who knows why? Um, Master of Disguise. I was more fixated on Tommy Lee Jones's wardrobe in this movie uh, this time around watching it. Were you paying any attention to what Tommy Lee Jones was wearing in uh, in the future? Not particularly. Tell me. Tommy Lee Jones, whenever uh, he's not out on like uh, an, in an action scene, uh, whenever he's at the office, whenever he's going to interrogate somebody, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, uh, Deputy U.S. Marshal Samuel Gerard, is always wearing red vests he's got like these really like blood red vests and it wasn't just like one choice because if it was one Mm. choice and that was where it was very notable he goes to the office he has like this huge bubble vest this sleeveless bubble vest that's bright red i'm like okay that's a choice maybe it's just like a red blue thing uh and then the next time you see him he's wearing like a red argyle style sweater okay Uh, and then he has like this huge red scarf that he's wearing in this movie uh, what a strange character note that like Samuel Gerard clearly has a favorite color and it's deeply expressed in the fugitive. Yeah. Well, we got to uh, get like Vince Gilligan to break down the color theory. Color the theory. Yeah, yeah. The backstory. Maybe that's explored in uh, U.S. Marshals. I can't remember. I can't remember if it's explored in U.S. Marshals or not. Uh, okay. So Kimball is on the run. Uh, U.S. Deputy Marshal Samuel Gerard and his team. Do you like the team? Do you have strong takes about the U.S. Marshal squad? Well, I love Joey Pants, yes. of course, of best. Why, known oh, for- why did I take the blue pill? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's got a, a, a ton of great roles, of course. Uh, Ralphie, Ralphie Silverado yes, uh, on the sopranos uh so 
uh, great to have him here. You could get Joey Pants on when uh, it's 2030, Rob, and on 30 Years Greater, we get to talk about Gladiator. Uh, do you think oh, that Joey yes. Pants would show big... up in character as Ralphie to talk about He loved that movie, yes. Yeah. Uh, so that was really great. And so really excited to have him there. Um, I don't know. Did anybody else really stand out to you? Um, Emily and I watched this movie the other night together. She was really into, uh, I believe his name is Noah. He's like the kid marshal, the one with the the ponytail. Yeah. Uh, And he like really kind of like stands up to Sam Gerard at one point because he's about like he's held hostage at one point in the movie and Sam Gerard kills the guy. This is one of the fugitives. He shoots the guy rather than negotiate with him. Uh, And Sam Gerard tells Noah Newman says, I don't bargain. Can you hear that? Uh, mm-hmm. And I think we were impressed. Like this young buck is trying to be like, you could have bargained. Uh, you also could have killed me if you had shot the wrong way. Uh, so Noah yeah. Newman has a very important role in U.S. Marshals. But yeah, I, don't I mean, spoil it. Tommy Lee Jones, that uh, he's not a super sympathetic figure. Like uh, he does shoot. Uh, like there's like a hostage situation. He does uh, shoot the person who had taken the hostage and then tells the screaming woman uh, after to shut up. Yeah, yeah, it, it's very rude. Um, I think rude. Uh, Samuel Gerard, bad guy, uh, I think, ultimately. Like, in the end, yeah. is, does he help out Dr. Kimball? Sure. I guess. Kinda. But did he say, I'm, hey, sorry. I'm sorry about that. Not really. He doesn't say, I'm sorry. No apologies. No, yeah. I, I could have said, like, hey. I feel like, um, pretty bad if, about that. Yeah, he could have done the thing where he's like, you know, um, it, you know, if we like happen to wrongfully accuse you, like, uh, I feel bad. Yeah, yeah. Instead, he literally says, "I don't care." Uh, mm-hmm. To and he and like when he's asked to like uh, relitigate his stance later in the movie, once Harrison Ford has compelling proof that there was indeed a one-armed man. And he calls Tommy Lee Jones back up. He says, you remember what you told me when I told you I didn't kill my <laughs> wife? And Tommy Lee Jones is like, yeah, I said I don't care. And I still don't. Uh, yeah. You know, he doubles down. Which, according to my x-ray on Amazon Prime, was a little bit... Are you holding up the x-ray as you're uh, No, I was not holding up the x-ray. Uh, I believe it was like an improvised line. I believe like the um, the original line was something like, okay, well, that doesn't matter to me. Which Tommy Lee Jones ended up making, I don't care. You know, uh, in the ongoing strikes here in the year 2023 with the Writers Guild of America, uh, with the work stoppage, and there's uh, before the Screen Actors Guild uh, strike as well, they were still able to make stuff if the scripts had already been locked. But Tommy Lee Jones would not be allowed to improvise such a line uh, in this day and age uh, while the WGA is on strike. He'd be the fugitive. He'd be the fugitive for for such a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that this improvisation is the reason Tommy Lee Jones secures an Oscar for playing uh, Deputy U.S. Marshal Samuel Gerard? I don't know what was he up against here in '93. Yeah, uh, we'd have to go and we'd have to study the the uh, the various nominees, Oscar nominees, 1993. I mean, this is probably something for us to track if we keep yeah. watching uh, some Oscar nominated films. Uh, going into uh, into the future of mm-hmm. 1993. Yeah. Uh, Best Supporting Actor nominees, Jack Nicholson. I think was we have to watch the, the 1993 Oscars. 
<laughs> is that right? Is that something? Or, or no, well, I mean, when it, when, not now, Josh. That doesn't make sense. That's not within thirty days of when uh-huh. they happen. They happen in the springtime. Yeah, yeah. And I think actually it's the nineteen ninety four Oscars. Yeah, ninety four uh, Oscars. Got to be looking at here. So Tommy Lee Jones, who were you up against, Tommy Lee Jones? Uh, mm-hmm. Gosh, was it the nineteen ninety four Oscars? I can't find this. Yeah, I find this. Let's uh, see. Got him. Okay, here we go. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is uh, going to win against Leonardo DiCaprio for What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Okay. Uh, he is going to win against Rafe Fiennes for Schindler's List. Mm-hmm. He is going to beat out ooh, John Malkovich and the aforementioned In the Line of Fire. Uh, yeah. Uh, very worthy nomination, I think, over there. Uh, and then uh, the late, great Pete Postlewaite uh, for In the Name of the Father, uh, a Daniel Day-Lewis film, a rare Daniel Day-Lewis film in which he did not win an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, so Boy, Leo could have had his Oscar early on. He could have. He could have. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. He won. What if that had been his uh, acceptance speech? He gets up there. I don't care. <laughs> Walks off. Well, we'll find out when we watch the Oscars. <laughs> we watch the Oscars. That's right. That's right. Uh, okay, so the movie is very much cat and mouse, right? It's uh, it's Gerard versus Kimball. Kimball's trying to stay one step ahead of Gerard. Um, some highlights from this journey. Uh, Kimball's first stop is like the local health clinic. He steals a poor man's breakfast. Uh, he drinks all his water. He drinks all of his water. He scarfs down his like his powdered eggs. Uh, yes. He leaves his hairy beard detritus in the sink. Uh, he just really makes a mess of this poor guy's room before uh, before he hit. And he forgets to uh, zip up his fly as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's almost yeah. caught uh, here at the clinic right. uh, by a, a passing police officer. Uh, who is not observant enough to recognize Richard Kimball, but is observant enough to recognize that Richard Kimball has not pulled up his fly. Well, yeah, maybe uh, he was looking in a certain area because, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Dr. Richard Kimball, he almost like gives up the game here. He almost gives it all away where the police officer's like, uh, Hey, have you, hey, Doc, have you seen like a six, 180 foot guy with Sandy Brown hair? And he's just, only every time I look in the mirror. <laughs> every time I look in the mirror, he says, except for the beard, he wipes at his face. Except for the beard. But uh, if, I, if I had a beard, maybe think, it could be me. But I feel like a very effective lie, right? You know, this is what they say is like, bake some truth into your lie. Uh, there's like a good amount of truth in that lie. I think that was smart. Good play mm-hmm. from Dr. Kimball. Um, but then Dr. Kimball is like aggressively pursued uh, because this is where he's like in really close proximity to the U.S. Marshals. They're able to like chase him down into a sewer system, which leads us to the most iconic moment of the movie. The aforementioned I don't care as uh, Gerard and Kimball have each other uh, cornered respectively in this sewer system. Kimball has Gerard's fallen gun. He holds it at him. Then he walks off after he says, I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. And Gerard backs Kimball, not quite into a corner, uh, but into uh, like an unbelievable circumstance where he is at the, the mouth of the tunnel overlooking this huge waterfall. And only a psycho would jump off this waterfall, Rob. But you, you cor- nobody puts Kimball in the corner, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, is that what they say. And he's going to he's going to jump out 
uh, of the waterfall. And uh, like this is like was big, he an like, Olympic diver? Trailers. How did he survive this? Um, sheer luck, because uh, it definitely looked like, especially if you examine like the body movement as he jumps. Uh, like he jumps out, he like jumps out, like you know, just like sort of like launches himself. Not over a graceful the dive. It's not, and like you kind of like see him flip, like his head is pointed down mm-hmm. at one point. So it's like that seems like this does not look good. This looks like he's in big trouble here. Uh, but no, he's fine. He just like kind of just like washes up on on shore. But I think uh, Gerard's like, okay, well that was quick. Uh, guess he's just dead. That's it. Uh, mm-hmm. Iconic moment. Iconic moment. Richard Kimball uh, jumping uh, past the the waterfall. Uh, is this on the Mount Rushmore of Harrison Ford action movie moments? Do you think? Oh, um, there's a lot to choose from. There's a lot to choose from. Like I think it's like Han shoots Greedo. Probably is, is that on an action there. moment. Yeah, I think so. Right of like, uh, uh, like sort of like action adventure Han Solo stuff. Do you think that the line to define what's action and what's not? Because I feel like that, um, you know, other than like flying the Millennium Falcon, I don't think that um, uh, Han Solo has a ton of action. If I mean, moments. If, we're, if we're encasing Harrison Ford on a Mount Rushmore of sorts, or in we, Carbonite, yeah, are we like, should we? Do we have to like list when he gets put in like encased in Carbonite? I feel mm-hmm. like. Uh, Mount Mount Fordmore made of carbonite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A uh, little bit of a uh, callback to, you know, Princess Leia saying, I love you. He's like, I, don't, I know. Yeah. I know is uh, basically like uh, that's sort of, you know, the similar moment between Tommy Lee Jones. And yeah. That's Harrison a good Ford. call. Is this karma? Is this mm-hmm. karma coming back to meet uh, an alternate universe Han Solo who uh, decided to go the straight and narrow and become a doctor on Earth in the 1990s? But because in another universe, in a, in a faraway galaxy a long time ago, he negged Princess Leia. Mm-hmm. So here he is now reincarnated as Richard Kimball in need of understanding, in need of love. For just someone to hear him. And in this pivotal moment, Rob, he is rejected resoundingly. Yeah. Is that karma? Is that what's happening? Star Boy. Wars karma? I mean, hard to argue that it's not at this yeah, point. I think so. I think that's you right. You know, we ended up, uh, when we first got to meet uh, the Deputy Marshal Samuel Gerard, uh, yeah. there's another iconic scene in the movie josh that i just put in the private chat the uh the, maybe another one of the most uh famous quotes yeah. from the film could you could you give us that oh you want me to tommy lee jones this i yes. can do this all right yes. so this is uh this is when samuel gerard's going to give out the marching orders to find harrison ford he says listen up ladies and gentlemen our fugitive has been on the run for 90 minutes Average foot speed over run even ground barring injuries is four miles per hour and that gives us a radius of Six miles. Is that average foot speed? Now, Josh, you've done a little bit of like running. Like, yeah. is average foot speed is four, four miles, miles an hour? hour? No, you got to train on uneven ground. Um, yeah, on uneven ground. You know, I do think you could do four miles per hour. Uh, if you're like walking with you know a New York walk, you could do that mm-hmm. four miles per hour. And a New York walk is often hardly average. Ground. Yeah. Uh, he says, what I want out of each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, and doghouse in that area. A lot of houses. Yeah. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's choosing between. Uh, 
Your fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball. Go get him. Okay. All right. Warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, doghouse. That Which sounds like, those... a, like a really expansive, elaborately ruled rock, paper, scissor. Uh, uh, yes. Warehouse, we'll warehouse farmhouse, farmhouse, hen house, house. outhouse, doghouse. Yeah. Um, I think that farmhouse beats hen house. Farmhouse probably beats, uh, but warehouse beats farmhouse. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, I do think that it's almost, I mean, I think that it's probably pretty close to, I think it's listed in hierarchical order, actually. Uh, warehouse beats farmhouse beats hen house beats outhouse beats doghouse. Is hen house better than outhouse? Um, yeah, maybe outhouse and switch though. outhouse and hen house because like everybody's got to use the outhouse at some point, right? Um, but then again, because everybody's used the outhouse, uh, is that like a really rough place to be? Would you mm -hmm. rather be in the hen house and the doghouse? Right, okay. Um, hen house has sustenance, doghouse <laughs> has companionship, That's outhouse true. just has poop, yeah. Warehouse, farmhouse, henhouse, outhouse, uh, and doghouse. Although the Casa Charmin was uh, not too shabby <laughs> not from too what shabby. I recall, Josh. Yeah, I guess uh, Casa Charmin did have companionship. So That's if this right. was Family Feud, 100 people surveyed, top uh, nine answers on the board, name a type of house uh, that a fugitive would go to. Did uh -huh. we miss anything? Yeah. Uh, well, if you catch them, jailhouse. Jailhouse? Yeah. What about uh, Waffle House? Waffle House. <laughs> Schoolhouse? Yeah, schoolhouse. Millhouse? Millhouse. Yeah, it goes to Millhouse's house. Um, Dr. Gregory House. Dr. Gregory House. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Richard Kimball <laughs> might go there. Yeah, he's, he's very house like. Yeah, yeah. They kind of look the same. The mm -hmm. Salt and pepper beard. Mm -hmm. uh, so they I, I hope that they've covered all their houses. Ralphie from the Sopranos might have some other suggestions. Yes, he definitely would. Uh Ralphie has a lot of different suggestions. Uh so yeah, so he jumps from the waterfall and then you know, lots Whee! more lot lots more uh hijinks to ensue. Richard Kimball is going to be on the run. He's gonna dye his hair black, he's going to stay in like uh, some sort of like uh, not quite uh, Airbnb situation in Chicago uh, with some uh, untoward fellas, it seems like. Some uh, really unsavory characters that he's renting his room from. Yeah, it's a big montage movie. We really do like get a lot of like montage sequences of like uh, what Dr. Richard Kimball is up to along the way. But he's also like doing good deeds along the, yeah. his, his way. There's there's a scene where he's going to go to a hospital to like follow a lead on the one armed man and this hospital in Chicago is going to uh, have like a wing for um, prosthetics. Uh, and so he's going to go and like investigate. He's going to create like he creates lots of like uh, fake IDs. Uh, like you got to imagine like lots of 17 and 18 year olds getting a lot of big ideas from watching The Fugitive. Uh, you know, not speaking from experience, uh, but he creates lots of fake IDs. He pretends to be a janitor. He breaks in. He gets his prosthesis information that's going to lead him towards the one armed man. But instead of just leaving, which would have gotten him out of their sight unseen, mm -hmm. he ends up saving a boy's life because this boy is uh, being misdiagnosed. Uh, he's a trauma patient. He's got a really great bedside manner, Dr. Kimball. He's, like, he's just like, the best. Are you a football player, baseball player? What do you do? Uh, it's like he's just like trying to distract him. The kids are responding to him. Uh, and Janitor Kimball 
is going to leave the boy in the right place with the right information because he's marked up his sheet. And so he saved this guy's life. And what does he get in return? He gets narked out by Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore. So apparently she had like a much bigger role in this film that uh -huh. got left on the cutting room floor where I guess she was supposed to be like a love interest of Dr. Richard Kimball. But I guess that that was maybe, I, I guess, a, a little confusing because, yeah. uh, you know, that he is mourning the loss of his murdered wife. Uh, that maybe that would not help was, his case. I feel like it would uh, not help the case. Yeah. Sure. That he yeah. has like a meet cute with uh, a, you know, a, very, a early in her career, Julianne Moore. Yeah, I don't think so. So I think a wise but decision. Julianne Moore is like very like prominently featured in the credits. Yeah. Like she's like one of the top billed actors. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, well, she's there's a lot but of the like, editors said mm, Julianne less. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Julianne less. Uh, yeah, they, they, they could have had more or less and they chose less. Uh, mm -hmm. Julianne Moore will pop up in more movies along the way. Uh, I know that probably, but really like was really sucked for her. Like this was probably like, uh, her, one of her biggest breaks. I mean, she's in the hand that rocks the cradle. A, I mean, I think her, her, uh, her few scenes in this movie are, are quite good. I think that she's yeah. quite good in them. She's uh, in Benny and June. Uh -huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like then um yeah 1997 and on her being, way towards you know, the big lebowski yes. you know yeah big lebowski boogie nights uh yeah. jurassic park yeah uh so oh yeah jurassic park 2 the lost yes. world yes uh so but just yeah. to wait a couple of years really i think to really break out yes so it's it's some time still before we're gonna get into like a big julianne moore mood uh but julianne Moore rats out harrison ford for just being a good dude uh just like doing good doctor things uh, a couple of other near misses with Gerard. There is this St. Patrick's Day parade. Yes. Uh, oh scene. my God. I was like, Josh, are we watching the Dial of Destiny? Yeah. It really did feel like that, right? <laughs> uh, I, like, I was waiting for Dr. Richard Kimball to get on a horse and go into the subway because this is the exact same sequence. Yeah. Uh, you know, they just needed it to be called Moon Day. Uh, maybe in yeah. the 1963 series was this almost Moon Day. Uh, you know, maybe been pretty close. I just feel like they could have saved a lot. Of, I mean, famously way over budget in the Jones mm -hmm. and the Dial of Destiny that they should have worked it out to, to have the young indie scenes just be the... <laughs> footage from the fugitive that's not a bad idea yeah they could have done that uh for sure just and like he's also like a fugitive Photoshop from, him like, out. Yeah. right like this is when and the spoilers <laughs> for dial of destiny right they, they frame him for a murder yeah he's like i didn't kill my my faculty did dial of destiny did did uh did dr richard kimball uh did indiana jones go back in time and rewrite history and is running around as a dr richard kimball is that something mm -hmm. that happened yeah we uh, opened up the multiverse. Yeah, I think so. I do think like the multiverse of Harrison Ford characters is a really compelling place. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I think uh, I don't know that he is quite enough that it would be like a really great brand, brand steel, steel. But yeah. I think like uh, it could be kind of fun uh, to put mm. the Harrison's Ford up against each other. Uh, so there's the St. Patrick's Day parade. He blends in. He almost gets caught. He doesn't get caught. Um, it's around this time that Kimball is starting to figure out, OK, well, what the hell happened here? Why was there even a one-armed one -armed man in my apartment? Like, what was the point? Why, why did this happen? You know, he hasn't really thought too much about the why. He's been so focused on the who of finding this guy. But over the course of finding this guy, 
he is able to figure out that uh, this uh, one-armed man, Sykes, uh, Sykes, you got pastored. Uh, yeah, yeah. The guy's name who uh, ended up framing him for the murder is Sykes. I mean, yeah. it was right there the whole time. Yeah, his signature catchphrase every time he fools Dr. Richard Kimball. Sykes, uh, Sykes. Uh, so Sykes, who's this ex-cop who is now a private security uh, person for a pharmaceutical company that Dr. Richard Kimball is aware of. They are uh, trying to create this experimental drug that's going to help people, but in fact actually causes intense liver damage. But if that were to come out and if it weren't uh, to get FDA approval, lots of money down the drain. So this Dr. pharmaceutical company was ready to take down big pharma. Yeah. Like not on my watch. Yeah. Forget Russell Crowe. This is the insider. Dr. Mm -hmm. Kimball. Uh, he was, he was ready to take this whole thing down. Um, and instead they decided, well, we got to kill this guy before he can blow up our spot. And very tragically, uh, Rob, it turns out that the leader of this conspirator is up to this point, seemingly ride or die best guy, Dr. Nichols, Richard yeah. Kimball's buddy, uh, one of few people in the movie who is telling uh, Samuel Gerard, like, oh, Richard is very smart. Richard is five yeah. steps ahead of you. You cannot stop Richard Kimball. Uh, and he's like, he's like, he seems like he's got his back, but instead he just wants to get to Richard first. Yeah, I think this is maybe a 90s trope of like the, you know, good looking best friend of the protagonist, secretly the bad guy. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, think I know it happened trope. to Sam Wheat in Ghost. Oh, gosh. Um, sadly, we're past Ghost. Uh, we're past Sorry. The ghost expiration date. That that would have been a fun podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. God, uh, Sam Wheat's buddy was such a jerk. And then he would go mm -hmm. on to become president of the United States. It's a mm -hmm. serious scandal. Um, Dr. Nichols, bad guy, uh, is part of this cabal uh, <laughs> that sent the one-armed man after yeah. Dr. Kimball. Yeah, and I, tell me if I have this right. So that they were doing some sort of like research on liver patients. Uh, there was this new medicine, which sounds a lot like every other single medicine yeah. uh, that's out there. Yeah, And so... He was sending back the data and the data was saying that uh, this is not so good. And then the uh, the, the cabal, uh, Dr. Charles Nichols, uh, Dr. Charles was Nichols. He was nickel and diming because yeah. he was then replacing like the messed up samples with like healthy samples and like mm -hmm. oh, medicine. But it's, it's it's working. It's meddling. working. Meddling. Yeah. He was meddling. Uh, he was meddling, and it was provable. And Kimball's got the proof, uh, and so he's going to publicly confront Doctor Nichols after uh, he gets into a skirmish with uh, with the one armed man on a train. Um, mm -hmm. Around this point in the one -armed movie, one armed man we, was a patsy. Yeah, one armed man was a fall guy for sure. Uh, one armed man, I think, makes some strategic blunders uh, here as he goes to confront yes. Doctor uh, Doctor Kimball on the train. Um, he confronts him on the train. He has a gun on him. There are people in the train car, so there's yeah. witnesses. Uh, there's witnesses yeah. to the one armed man with the gun on Doctor Kimball. A cop also, and then a cop shows up to to arrest Doctor Kimball because he's been identified. And Sykes just turns around and needlessly shoots this police yeah. officer. Yeah, like, uh, bro. He's attracting much more heat than he like, needs to this attract. This man just showed up to arrest the guy. Yeah. 
that you want to kill. Like, and you want to kill him. Seems maybe like he felt like, mistake. oh, he's going to like, well, when he gets to the police station, he's going to squeal and ruin everything. Yeah. Uh, or just kill everybody. So he uh, he does that. And then uh, Dr. Kimball, like at this point, whether it's adrenaline or like he's been on the run for as long as he has been, is he doing like push ups? Has he been like just like getting fit? Uh, he is able to take down this uh, private security ex cop with well, no problem. I mean, he's got two arms. Yeah, he beats yeah. him up. He beats him up, and he can't, he handcuffs him. Uh, mm-hmm. he misses a big opportunity to say, "Get off my train." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, should have said that. It was right there. Um, it was the nineties. Yeah, the 90s. he would have probably got the reference. No ticket. Uh, yeah, and no so ticket. no ticket. No ticket would have been good. Uh, but then he beats up the one-armed man and he makes his way to this uh, to this doctor conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, he, was this the Emmys? Yeah, this is it. Uh, Dr. Nichols was about to give uh, Deputy U.S. Marshal Samuel Gerard <laughs> an Oscar. Uh, and Kimball shows up and he just like starts like a... He monologues in front of everybody. He's like, There's, this man's a bad guy. He's trying to give you dirty pills. Uh, he knew about it. He killed my wife. Then uh, yeah. Nichols is just like, could you just come over here, walk with me this way? And then Nichols, right. his plan uh, is to get off stage and just start beating up Dr. Kimball. This mm-hmm. is his plan. I mean, it's his plan. Now, who's mic'd up and who's not? Because I kind of feel like that uh, Dr. Nichols, like, I feel like it's probably you could hear him. Hot mic? Hot mic? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I kind of feel like that uh, Dr. Richard Kimball walks in. Can anybody in the room hear him? I mean, he's projecting. He's, he's projecting. projecting. Yeah. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. projecting. I mean, he's been so quiet for so long that now he's yeah. really got something pretty big to say. Uh, so he's got, he's, he's just like uh, using big theater voice uh, mm-hmm. booming throughout the room. Everyone hears it. This is very bad. And then they get into like a very elaborate uh, like fight through the building. Elevators, like, roof, yeah. roof, elevator, uh, uh, big warehouse vibes, right? Like I feel like uh, they said I, check every warehouse. Yeah. So like uh, but I think it, this is more of like a hotel. Yeah. So they went from like the penthouse uh down to uh the the basement uh mm-hmm. and uh it's up to samuel gerard as well as joey pants to try and break up the fight joey pants gets beaten pretty badly i think is an underrated yeah. part of this movie he gets, i don't like, even know how he makes it to u.s marshall he gets like brained with like a huge four by four uh and he yeah he's a big part of u.s marshals he's like uh tommy Lee jones's best friend his best guy cosmo mm-hmm. renfro what a great name cosmo <laughs> renfro that's an incredible name yeah. Uh, 90s were big for Cosmo. Yeah, Cosmo was having a moment in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, Harrison Ford is uh, is saved by the Gerard. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, you know, unproven as of yet as for whether or not Tommy Lee Jones can beat up Josh Brolin. But it turns out that Tommy Lee Jones can absolutely beat up. What's the name of the actor who plays Charles Nichols? Uh, Jerowen Crabby? My Jerowen, Jerowen Crabby. Jerowen Crabby, Dutch actor and film director whose name I, I'm probably botching. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gerard kills him, and now he believes him. Uh, Kibble says, I told you, I didn't kill my wife. And now, finally, Gerard says, I know, Richard. I know. I know. I get it. Uh, he didn't want to solve a case, Rob, and here he is. Uh, Deputy U.S. Marshal has figured out the case. He has solved, mm-hmm. he has solved the case. He has helped exonerate 
Dr. Richard Kimball. I mean, yeah. I mean, did, um, did Samuel Gerard solve anything? No. Yeah. He shot a guy. He shot a couple of people in this movie. Yeah. Honestly, like just let Dr. Kimball cook. Like every, like Tommy Lee Jones could have just like sat back. Dr. Kimball was going to figure it all out. Like yeah. a lot of people probably lost their lives because of uh, the pursuit of Dr. Kimball. Yes. Yeah, that's probably correct. That's probably correct. So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah, a lot of taxpayer money down the proverbial waterfall, uh, all in the pursuit of an innocent man, uh, Rob. But at the end of the day, all's well that ends well, as uh, uh, you know, Gerard and Kimball kind of have like, uh, uh, you know, like an arm in arm walk. I think this is the start of a beautiful friendship, yes. kind of an ending. Yes, for these guys. yes. Um, <laughs> And that's so fugitive. I mean, I think the lesson here is like that maybe like there should be like more people wrongfully accused of <laughs> oh crimes. My God, because, oh Josh, no! Hear me out. That's hear the me lesson. Out. I'm being serious. I'm being serious because who is more incentivized to solve these cases than the people that are wrongfully accused for doing the crimes? Uh -huh. Think about it. So you should get wrongfully convicted get um escape from a prison transport vehicle well, i wonder if we should maybe like wrongfully convict people and then give them like 60 90 days oh, like man. okay well if this case doesn't get solved i don't know if, i don't know if i'm on board no? i don't know if i'm on board with this i think this is a dangerous idea i think this is a dangerous idea. so you're saying like it's guilty until proven innocent is the flip you're flipping I, well and now you're real these people really all right get to work on this case because uh like you know because people don't aren't motivated <laughs> to do something until there's a deadline right uh -huh. <laughs> you wait until the night before the uh -huh. test to yeah. start studying yeah it's like boy i'm gonna go to jail if yeah. i don't like uh get this case solved i better yeah i mean the, the, the looming, this case the looming specter of not just jail for richard kimball but uh death by lethal injection is yes. what the sentencing was so i think it's also bears bringing up uh how bad was the legal defense team for dr richard kimball it was pretty bad, or he had just like a really vindictive judge. It should be noted that everyone in Chicago seemingly hated uh, Dr. Kimball. Uh, like the entire Chicago Police Department like hates this guy. When they find out that he's a fugitive and he's back in the city of Chicago, you get a scene with the with the Chicago PD being like, "Oh, freaking Richard, we hate this guy." Mm -hmm. uh, in like the initial Why do they hate him so much in the initial interrogation of Richard Kimball, they're just like brutal towards him. Uh, these cops yeah. hate Richard Kimball. Richard Kimball is like Chicago's least favorite. Was his wife Charlie. a police officer? I don't understand. I don't know. They just really don't like him at all. Mm -hmm. uh, so like they really they did they threw several books at him, <laughs> let alone the book. Yeah. I also I thought that the movie does a good job of yada yadding the uh, murder at the beginning of the movie. You yeah. get a lot of flashbacks. Yeah. They did. You know they could have spent too much time on that. Uh, that's the fugitive, uh, yeah. $4 million budget, $368.9 million at the box office, an Academy award for Tommy Lee Jones, no Academy award for Harrison Ford, still no Academy award for Harrison Ford. Uh, should he have been Oscar nominated for the fugitive? He changes his appearance so much. He's constantly changing character, Rob, a very yeah. impressive feat. Um, Did he run know. too I, far? I he like ran too fast, ran too far that they couldn't even catch him for <laughs> a nomination. 
I don't know. I, I guess, it, it, you know, this is also, the, you know, uh, tough competition this year. So I don't know uh, how much consideration Harrison got. Ford's lot in life to get passed over by, uh, by, by big Oscar, big mm-hmm. Emmy now. Uh, mm-hmm. so just not a, not a thing. Um, Rob, at the end of these, I think we should uh, make a decision. And yeah. here, here's the decision is, okay. is the fugitive 30 years greater or 30 years worse uh, how did the movie age? How would Rob? It, yeah, I, I think fail. It, I think it aged like a fine wine. Yeah. I, I think that the fugitive, I think, uh, just as enjoyable today uh, as it was in 1993. So yeah. I, I feel like this is a classic. Yeah, Stone Cold classic. Um, what do you think of the take that this is? If you were to do the like the top ten Harrison Fords, where would you land the fugitive on See, there? Um, you could answer that better than me because uh-huh. you know the Harrison Ford film catalog. Well, I guess my question, my question for you would be like, is Star Wars and Indiana Jones? They're obviously right. just like cultural institutions, iconic Han Solo, Indiana Jones, both iconic characters. Um, but like, would you qualify? Certainly Indiana Jones, you could really make the strong argument. But like with a Star Wars, first of all, which one do you pick? And do you call it a Harrison Ford movie? Or is it a movie mm. that Harrison Ford is a major part of? Yeah, I think that um, this is sort of like the uh, akin to like the Indiana Jones uh, where that, you know, this is more of a Harrison Ford at the center of a project. Yes. It's a vehicle for Harrison yeah. Ford uh, and really cements him as just like a uh, box office draw, even without the fandom of uh, the two big genre franchises that he's a part of. Yeah. I mean, oddly, uh, you know, next time, the next couple of times he tries to Indiana Jones, this thing, he's not a box office draw anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, I think like he's moving on to, to greener yeah. pastures. The audience was like, like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Is what mm-hmm. they said. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I would be curious for people's top fives, top five Harrison Ford's would be very curious for that. So, uh, all right, we agree. It is 30 years greater for the fugitive. Uh, Rob, anything else about the fugitive? No, I think that this was a, a really fun one. Uh, it goes by very quick. In a clip. Yeah. Yeah. It's a two hour 10 and it's breezy. It's a breezy two hour 10. Mm-hmm. So loved it. Loved it. I had loved rewatched it. this earlier in the year already, Rob, and I was thrilled to rewatch it again. Why uh, did you watch it the first time? Because Emily had never seen it. Uh, yeah. So we, we had watched it and then we watched it the second time and she'd like completely forgotten the movie. So I was like, oh, yeah. So now rewatch the movie knowing that Dr. Nichols is the bad guy. She's like, he's the bad guy. I was like, but you watched it already. Mm-hmm. You saw it. You knew. Mm-hmm. So I screwed that up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. If anytime, like if it was still a thing where like anytime this is on TV, which isn't really a yeah. thing anymore, if the fugitive would come up, I'd be very happy. To yeah, just, like, I guess the, the one other thing I would probably want to talk about is uh, could the fugitive happen today? Uh-huh. Uh, smartphones, Quibi says cameras yes. everywhere. Quibi yes? says yes. Quibi says Quibi yes. Says yes. Yeah, we have 14 episodes of the fugitive today. How you could have done it. Like, I, I just feel like uh, that. The fugitive is on the run, high profile person, like in a big city, well known. Yeah. Like I feel like uh, I don't know facial recognition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it would be hard. It'd be difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. You'd have to really get a lot more inventive with your costume changes. 
Yeah. Uh, speaking of prosthesis, right? Like you would need like fake nose, fake chin, everything, fake ears, bald cap, if mm-hmm. not a full shave. And you can check your Amazon order history. Yeah. Like who's buying fake nose, fake hair? Halloween store, cash. Mm-hmm. Cash only. Cash yeah. only. Halloween store. I don't know. If I'm like a fugitive, the- that's where I'm going. Cash, Halloween store. You'll never see me again. <laughs> okay. That's it. That's Good it. Good to know. File this away. All right, Rob. So that's the first official episode of 30 Years Greater. But now we have to talk about the second official episode of 30 Years Greater. Uh, and what do you wanna what do you wanna do? Do you wanna go back 30 days? Do you wanna see what's gonna be uh discussed next week? So if we're going to the next week of films following The Fugitive. The Fugitive is in August 6th. The Fugitive for mm-hmm. us is uh, the, the subject of conversation okay. over such films as The Meteor Man and My Boyfriend's Back. Yeah. Uh, the following... My Boyfriend's Back, I believe, is a zombie movie. I believe that's correct. Yes. yes. I do believe that's a zombie yes. movie. Uh, so, okay, so let's just... Uh, so, uh, The Meteor Man opens the same weekend as... A notorious bomb, I believe, yes. The Meteor Man. Um, I would say to... Looking backwards, yeah, there's a couple of movies that I think are uh, pretty interesting from the end of July that okay. I would want to talk about. Sure. Okay. Uh, that one, July 30th, So I Married an Axe Murderer. Love that movie. Famously, like, uh, did not do well, but a bit of a cult classic. It uh, is. I'm talking about The Cat in the Hat this week uh, on Renap. <laughs> uh-huh. So... I feel like anytime podcasting about Mike Myers can't go wrong. Yeah. Um, did you did you and Chappelle ever do the Pentaveret? You did, right? Yes, yes we did. Uh-huh. Yes, we did. <laughs> yes. Uh, also, uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights uh, yeah. is from July 28th, or uh, okay. the Coneheads from July 23rd. Yeah, uh, Coneheads is a great is a great one. Uh, we're still within range of uh, such films as Free Willy and Hocus Pocus. Um, if we were not to talk about In the Line of Fire, Rookie of the Year, or Weekend at Bernie's Two next week, we would not be able to talk about them the following week based on our thirty day rule. So, are mm-hmm. we about to uh, say are we gonna are we gonna sunset In the Line of Fire, Rookie of the Year, I've, and Weekend at Bernie's Two right now? That's you know I'll, I'll leave that up to you. What do you feel strongly about? No, I'm good. I'm good to sunset them if you don't want. I want I want you to be enthusiastic about what we're watching. That's like mm-hmm. that's like the mission imperative for me. Uh, are you excited? If you're excited, then I'm going to be excited. Okay, good. Um, I think of the things we're talking about. I think so. I married an axe murderer would be the most exciting thing for me because I don't think I've ever actually seen it. Well, it's it's a great movie in which there are, uh, you know, lots of questions about like uh, if the fugitive is a film. Does Mike Myers play multiple roles? Because yes, of course, if, if not, obviously, uh, I'm out. I believe only two, uh, but an iconic second role in <laughs> So I Married an Axe Murderer. Yeah, uh, his second role in So I Married an Axe Murderer is a wild time. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, love that movie. Would be very thrilled to relitigate. So I married an axe murderer. So I married an axe murderer is going to be, uh, I think, similar to the fugitive, as in the fugitive is about a man on the run trying to prove his innocence. 
the uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer is going to be somewhat of a flip on that. It's going to be about uh, a man trying to prove someone's guilt, uh, to mm-hmm. prove or disprove someone's guilt. Uh, the titular axe murdering wife, uh, Nancy Travis, uh, who had quite a 1993, as we'll discuss next week on the podcast. And we will also, to tease it for So I Married an Axe Murderer, Rob, we will also have um, a, a different Cosmo that we can uh, discuss. Uh, oh. if, if only br- if only very briefly, we will have a different Cosmo that we could talk about. So, So I Married an Axe Murderer is up round two here on, uh, what, how do we abbreviate? 30G. 30G. <laughs> 30YG? 3YG? Yeah. Uh, th- th- I feel like you needed a 30. The big 3G. Yeah. Uh, you know, like in the logo... I would, I would not probably talk about the three G because yeah. then I feel like people think you're like like getting into like Huck conspiracy and, like, stuff. And watches yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think people yeah. think you're like trying to take down cell phone towers. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, so we'll work on around the three G. We'll work on the Doctor Richard Kimball. Three G would have caught him instantly. Three G would have been a problem for for Doctor Kimball uh, for sure. So uh, let us know what you think. We're having fun here. We hope that you're going to have fun with this as well through all. All of the proper channels you can hit us up in the rhap facebook group you can talk to us in the post show recaps patron discord as well you can hit us up on socials at round howard at rob sester you know wherever you can find us but you're gonna have to be a regular u.s deputy marshal samuel gerard to track us down on social media these days because uh, mm-hmm. we're everywhere now you never know which one we're actually at uh and of course if you want to get us in through the feedback form postshowrecaps.com slash ask uh, so I married an ask murderer. Um, Rob, uh, before we shift over to so I married an ask murderer, anything else? You busy on RHAB right now? Well, yeah, we're kicking off the big brother here where, you know, Dr. And Richard Dr. Kimball, Kimball could have used a big brother. He could have used a big brother, but now with all those cameras watching what he's doing, they yeah. would have caught him instantly. Um, right. So we've got all that going on claim to fame uh and much more over at robisawebsite.com amazing okay well make sure you are locked into all of that and everything else that is happening here on post show recaps including uh the robin josh show morphing into 30 years greater here let us know what you think we will be back next week with so i married an axe murderer until then everybody take care bye-bye